Clou, Kai Clou, Hedran Clou. To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Everybody, uh, welcome back to What's This Dow All About? My name is Todd Perry, and with me is Dr. Carl Totten. Hello. See Joe. And um, let's see here. Speaking, I, I think that the uh, Tao Te Ching, I would say, is a cure for what I would call binary thinking. Uh, th- this is all good. That is all bad. Right? And uh, h- how we perceive things. Uh, you know, certain person is good certain person is evil. Mm-hmm. And that's not to deny that there is evil or terrible things in this world. Uh, but when things are usually so dynamic, right? Like, it, like you see the weird thing where, like, Hitler was very loving with his dog, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, insane, right? Uh, to, and so, and, and to see things as fortunate or unfortunate, like we had the story about the, the the Taoist proverb about the horse, yes, right. Um, and the, the the Tao asks us to kind of uh, broaden our belief systems uh, to, to kind of accept a more nuanced view of the world, because uh, there there are many people uh, in this world that are they kind of grasp onto belief systems and worldviews, and when these things are uh, incorrect. Because most, I can't really think of any worldview or belief system that is correct all of the time, right? Is is there has been no perfect political philosophy yet, right? There has been no religion which has not been kind of debunked in certain ways <laughs> by science or whatever. But most people they, they hold on to these belief systems so you know tightly, and that they won't even accept facts that conflict with them. Yes. They, they say the facts are wrong, or the scientists are wrong, or the psychologists are wrong. And so I think the Tao asks us to open our minds and see a world kind of beyond this black and white way of viewing the world. Yes, yeah. Like, uh, and, and asks you to kind of, it's almost a, an evidence-based approach to life. Like, uh, whenever there's a story in the news of like a guy gets shot by a cop, right? Uh, half of America will come out and support the cop. The other half of America will come out and support the guy that got shot by the cop. Now, every time the story usually comes out down the road of either the cop did something wrong or the guy who got shot was, you know, threatening the, the police officer or something like that. So it never ends up really aligning with any worldview <laughs> that anybody has. But then the people still, even after the facts come out, still back the same side. Right, right. Right? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Right, but, people. But, people, we we like to cling to uh, things that make us 
and, and our way of thinking about things correct. Yes. It's called ego. <laughs> yeah. You know, where we have to be right. Uh, don't confuse me with the facts. I need to be uh, correct. Yes. Because that's my, my self-esteem is tied into how I think I am and how I want you to think how I am. Right. It's the difference between wanting to be right versus wanting to get it right. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And now when you have people on one side doing that and people on the other side of this kind of artificial divide doing that, there's no room there for truth, resolution, or peace. Hmm. And, you know, it's always my way or the highway. And the stronger one side gets, the stronger the other side has to rise up in opposition. Right, and, and because exactly, so so the, the the stronger that we yell and scream, then the other side is going to have to try to drown us out by getting even louder yelling and screaming. Yeah. There's no peace there. The more There's drastic no peace there. The more drastic tactics one side uses, you know, I, I pull out a knife, you got to pull out a knife, right? So, you pull out a gun, I got to pull out a gun. And so the Dow says, okay, back off, <laughs> back off. And take a deep breath and think, hmm, number one, this isn't working. Mm. Now, if we keep repeating day after day, year after year, century after century, millennia after millennia, mm. things that aren't working, what does that say about us? <laughs> right. Right. What does that say? Well, it says that we're a little um, short-sighted and maybe even stupid <laughs> because we're, we keep doing the same thing, somehow hoping for different results, right? right? Uh, Einstein said that was the definition of insanity. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so Lao Tzu, from the very beginning, has said, you know, th these artificial distinctions are just that. They're artificial. Um, everybody, every human being really wants very similar things. Mm -hmm. They want to be happy. They want to be fulfilled. They want to be allowed to develop their own gifts uh, without interference. Mm -hmm. And if that were where we were coming from, if that were the, the kind of the core motivant of how we dealt with each other, this planet would look very different than it does now. And, and so the challenge for each one of us day by day is to take a, a look at ourselves without attachment and soften those tendencies, those egotistical tendencies to be right, A, and to take our rightness and impose it on other people. Mm. It's not going to work. It hasn't worked in the last 10,000 years. It's not going to work now. I think it goes back to, I, I always go back to this, but chapter one of the Tao Te Ching. Yes. Which the... Uh, I was like, oh, where do I have it? Right here. Yes. Ever desireless, one sees the mystery. Ever desiring, one sees the manifestations. Yes. Yes. So by not desiring, by just allowing things just to be what they are, the field opens, and then everything can just grow and develop according to its own inner nature. And you can see the truth in things. Yes, because they, then they just are what they are. Mm -hmm. It's like the most powerful lesson is the most simple. Mm -hmm. The most powerful lesson is the most simple. Because the more we do and try and, and try to manipulate, dominate, and control, the more pushback we will automatically create, and we'll just create more war, more destruction, 
more disharmony, more disparity, mm-hmm. more unfairness. And then we'll point to all of that in the world and say, ain't it terrible? Isn't it awful? <laughs> and we did it. We did it. That didn't happen all by itself. Right. We did it. All of us. We have all we the tools it. already to not live in a world that is this screwed up, right? Yes, yes, you know, but, but we have to let go. Yeah. We have to let go of being right and be willing to just be mm. in the field of just pure consciousness, pure awareness. It, it's, the, it's the soil from which everything grows mm-hmm. and, and everything according to its own way because every one of us, we, we have like a, there's, there's, like a, there's, there's like a programmed seed almost inside of every human being that allows them to grow and develop in a unique and very special way. And so that's why there's never been another Todd Perry in mm-hmm. the world. There's never been another Carl Totten in the world. Mm-hmm. There's never been another anyone in the world. Out of billions and billions of people, sometimes you see some you know, similarities and some shared characteristics and things, but everyone is unique. Everyone has that unique seed. Mm-hmm. And if that seed is planted in a nurturing environment, it will grow. Into what? We don't know. We don't know. But you'll never know unless you plant it in a nurturing environment and allow it to grow. Oh, yeah. You'll never know. And I think that is why so many people go through life and feel dissatisfied. And at the end of their life, you know, there's two things that people say about their life. One, they wish they had not worried so much. Right. And two, they wish they had less regrets. Yes. And the regrets are about all of those things that they felt they needed to do and to say and to be and to earn and to keep and to store. They wish they had not done so much of that and instead done what? Nothing. Yeah. Or no, or no, or well, had experiences. Well, well or... had experiences, spent more time with people they loved. Uh, maybe they uh, always wanted to be an artist or a musician, you know, because art. That, that, see that art and music and and literature and poetry they, they touch something deep in the human soul right right which is why those things last for thousands of years sometimes right right they were some of the few things that last for thousands of years because it resonates cr- across generations to something deep in the human psyche in the human soul and i think that people feel that and they and when they don't get a chance to develop these more aesthetic aspects of their soul, they feel stymied, they feel thwarted. And instead, they spend all their time, you know, going to work, having a job, making money, buying things mm-hmm. that at the end, when you're lying on your deathbed and you're thinking back over your life and, you, and, and people say, where did the time go? The time went why I was distracted doing all those things instead of just being mm-hmm. and instead of just being free and allowing what was in my soul to emerge. Yeah. And so rather than do that, I suggest <laughs> that we think every day, okay, if I was going to keel over tomorrow and uh, pass away, what would I be doing today? What would be really meaningful for me to do today? Is it, is it to go to work and to make a few more dollars? 
No. Or is it to do something else? Mm. Whatever that something else is, do it. (laughs) And And it might be different for every human being. But I suspect that they will fall into a few similar categories. Different categories, yes. You know, what would you do if you were gonna? You knew you, that tomorrow morning, six a.m., you were gonna drop dead and you were gonna be out of this world forever. What would you do, Todd? Yeah, I, would, I would maybe uh, play play a little golf, maybe in the morning, right? And then maybe go see some like live music or some kind of performance later, and then maybe you know spend some time with my wife in the evening, go out for a nice dinner, and just kind of. A little bit of everything, some physical activity, take in some culture, and then spend a good time with the loved one, possibly. Excellent. I think, I think that would work. Excellent. Dr. Totten, what would you Excellent. do? Your- I would spend a lot of time meditating. I would try to immerse myself in the silence of the Tao. Mm-hmm. And I would spend time with people like my family, people who I love and care for, and... I think probably my last conscious awareness, I'd like to be, yeah, holding hands with people I love and just basking in love and just going right into that and slipping into the darkness. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Uh, Let's see here. Um, So that's what's important to me. Yes. Okay. Uh, I would not... um, Go to work and punch a time clock and... uh, No? I I don't think that's what I'd be doing. You wouldn't sit in meetings Mm, all day? No. No? No. (laughs) You wouldn't sit in front of a computer? Uh, No. (laughs) So let's see here. Uh, There's a concept that that I've always liked known as the mirror mind, and I'm going to read a little bit about it from a book that... I think many people's, their gateway to Taoism is The Tao of Pooh by Benjamin Hoff. Oh, yes. Which is, if you haven't read it, uh, I think is a, a real great way to get in. It's a great entryway for people with the Western mind to kind of understand these topics. And then I think that it's like, it's a great entryway into the Tao. And then you can kind of get into the a little more headier writings of Lao Tzu because you'll have kind of a background in it. It's mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know if someone, I don't know. Maybe you could. I don't know if, because if this isn't my experience, you just go in and pick up the Tao Te Ching and then get it, right? I don't think you could do that. I think almost you need to know the language of it or you need to know context or, you know. People try to do that, but uh, like you said, they're frequently, con- they know there's something there. They can feel that. They can yeah. sense that. It's obvious. Um, but exactly how, what that means and how to apply it, uh, that's difficult. Uh, it's one of the main reasons we're doing these podcasts. Yes. Is to give people a, a, a kind of a, a more nuanced and assisted, supportive way to, in, into the Taoist uh, teachings. Yeah. Because just reading some of these things, uh, particularly if we have no context in which to understand it, it can be very difficult for people. Yeah. And I, I understand that. And, and everything's so loaded, it, need, it all needs to be unpacked. Yes. Like, they, I mean, there are verses of the Tao Te Ching, well, maybe we'll talk about for about 10 minutes on this show, but we, we could have sat for four hours, really. Or 40, or 40 years. 40, yeah, right. <laughs> Remember, the Tao Te Ching is the second most widely translated book in the world after the Holy Bible. Huh? Yeah, people have been translating this and reading it for 2,500 years. And then once you think you get down to it, you'll read it 10 years later and it'll mean something completely different. Because you are completely different. Yes. Hopefully, yeah. in 10 years. I would hope. You know, 
Uh, well, I think that's what we were talking about earlier in, uh, I think, developing a more nuanced worldview opens you for change. Yes. Uh, so The Tao of Pooh by Benjamin Hoff is a great little, real easy read, which takes the concepts of Taoism and relates it to characters from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> so, and he upholds Winnie the Pooh as a Taoist, a perfect example of a Taoist and how he sees the world. And, con- and contrasts that with Eeyore, who's constantly bummed out, or a Rabbit, who tries to be too clever, <laughs> or Owl, who tries to be too smart, or a Tigger, who's always kind of uh, trying to cause attention to himself and disrupting things. And then also he finds uh, a lot of power in Piglet, who he sees as the day. <laughs> who's a very small animal but exhibits <laughs> virtue in action because Piglet always winds up kind of saving the day in some interesting way, uh, although you wouldn't expect it from a very small animal. <laughs> so uh, there's just one little paragraph here, and uh, it says, Any old Taoist walking about the woods can tell you simple-minded doesn't actually mean stupid. It's rather significant that the Taoist ideal is that of the still calm, reflecting mirror mind of the uncarved block, which is also known as Pooh. And it's rather significant that Pooh, rather than the thinker's rabbit, owl, or Eeyore, is the true hero of Winnie the Pooh in the house at Pooh Corner. Hmm. So the mirror mind, here's my conception of the mirror mind, Dr. Totten, is um, I've had moments in meditation where I've kind of gotten the mind quite silenced, and I, it, it almost feels like it's just reflecting of the, the world around me, that I'm not trying to impinge any ego uh, upon anything. I'm not desiring anything. I'm just trying to just be this open vessel of, of what's going on around me yes. uh, and reflecting that which is outside. Because in an interesting way, we already kind of have a mirror mind. We were talking a couple shows ago about how your internal anxieties and your internal prejudices, you will find projected onto the world around you. Yes. Right? Uh, If I hold some kind of belief or bias in me, it's almost like a weird thing. Like, there's a stereotype that Asian people are bad drivers, right? It's like a cultural stereotype, right? But if, if someone cuts you off, and they're not Asian, you just go, that guy cut me off, right? Mm-hmm. But if an Asian person cuts you off, you go, ah, bias <laughs> confirmed if you're a prejudiced person, yes. right? Yes. And so you will confirm all these biases out in the world yourself, but with a mirror mind, you will see clearly mm-hmm. what's going on around you, aside from these prejudices, stereotypes, biases, uh, the way you see the world. Yes. And we often talk about cleaning the mirror, cleaning the mirror so that we have accurate perceptions uh, because all of those projections, of course, get attached to the mirror and so we wind up seeing what we want to see. And you end up having a very convoluted, warped (laughs) perception of reality, right? And, and, yeah, what is a bias? What is a stereotype? What is a prejudice, right? Yeah. it's It's a preconceived notion that has been carried into the present. Right. right, and it's been and, we, so, and often taken from a particular situation, and then generalized for everything, everything and everybody. What a, it's the very definition of a prejudice. That's that's a completely insane way to look at life. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that must mean there's a lot of insane people in the world. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> because that's um, it's it's a part of one of one of the more ugly parts of human nature, mm-hmm. you might say, is mm-hmm. to do that, and it comes from. I think the the ego, which is the part of the brain, you know, the left-right brain always likes to split things into right and wrong and good and bad and this and that and mine and yours, yeah. right? Yeah. And th- which is why there's a deeper place of resonance that doesn't do that. And mm-hmm. that's where we're really trying to go. And it's actually it's actually been recently documented that there's there's actually a really a physical place actually in the human heart that puts out a field an electromagnetic field oh, yeah, yeah. many 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 times stronger than our feeble brains which of course is where we're putting most of our thought towards mm-hmm. but the brain cannot help itself it, it is bipolar by design mm-hmm. <laughs> it can't help itself now the that can actually result into some very useful skills if you want to learn if you want to know how to drive from here to phoenix well you can lay it out on the map and you can get the gps and you can find landmarks and you, I mean, you can plan you know if you have a project at work you know you can you know plan or first i need to collect this and then i need to get that and at first i need to you know initiate these steps and that leads to the next i mean you know the planning uh, brain is very useful for accomplishing many many skills in on on planet earth but when we're trying to figure out how to live on a planet with seven billion of our fellows mm. <laughs> it can lead to trouble yeah <laughs> because we, all those other seven billion fellows are thinking a similar way mm-hmm. and when everybody wants to be right and everybody wants to try to get an advantage what type of world does that create well look around you that's the type of world that it creates right if that is the main motivation but there's this place in the heart that is beyond those types of separate distinctions. It's a place of unity consciousness. Mm-hmm. Indeed, if you, once you actually get to this place, the entire universe is in there as one. It mm-hmm. is the most powerful place in the universe. And it's absolutely still and absolutely quiet and yet has the possibility of Everything. everything manifesting at the same time on multiple dimensional levels it's really quite incredible yeah and that's the place with once you again you get out of your head and stop thinking about this and that and literally descend to this place where everything opens up everything opens up and then there's a there's a further process where you can actually link that openness to the central kind of thinking part of the brain, the pi- pineal uh, gland, yeah. if you will. And the pineal, when it's stimulated, it actually generates alpha waves, which is associated with joy and peace and serenity. Is that, and, uh, do you get, can you feel that when it's happening in, in your brain? Because I got a, yes. I had an experience while meditating yes. where I felt like there was like a pump going off in the back of my head, kind of. Yes. 
almost yeah. putting like a joy into my mind. Yeah, is that is that it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's from the alpha, and uh, you know, your brain is actually releasing uh, you know endorphins and DMT. You know, that yeah. kind of a hallucinogenic, psychedelic type of. Yeah, how substance. do I get that going? What are you I know? Gonna <laughs> it's all, in other words, we we already have everything that we need. Mm. You know, for peace, for joy, for love, for compassion. It's actually hardwired into our brains. It's, for some reason, we, we aren't taught this. No, no, we're not taught this. Well, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to me. Uh, that's my job, to teach you to okay, teach this good. now. And, well, and, and then how we need to a, do that. Then we need one on every street corner. Uh, yes, we do. We, we have uh, Spread the word <laughs> that joy is our birthright. Peace and compassion and love and trust, mm -hmm. that is our birthright, not the way the world looks now. You know, that, that's an, it's an artifact. It's, yeah. an, it's, it's, a, it's a distorted artifact of attachment to the ego. Mm. And in this other place, you know, we're, we're, we're like what Lao Tzu you know, is famous for saying, you know, when nothing is done... Nothing remains undone right. because you have this field where everything is possible, every conceivable possibility, things you'd never think of <laughs> because yeah. it's beyond your capacity to think that way or because it's, it's outside of your experience. So, yeah. and, and so how can you even think of things that you've never had any notion it was even possible to exist? Only when you're free can you do that. Mm -hmm. Only when you're free. And in this place of this undifferentiated awareness that stretches beyond and through everything that ever existed, past, present, future, on all dimensional levels, that's the place where I believe that Lao Tzu was coming from and that's where he was writing from in the Tao Te Ching. Hmm. And speaking of that, let's go to the Tao Te Ching, shall yes. we? Shall we? Chapter 19 of the Tao Te Ching Give up sainthood, renounce wisdom, and it will be a hundred times better for everyone. Give up kindness, renounce morality, and men will rediscover filial piety and love. Give up ingenuity, renounce profit, and bandits and thieves will disappear. These three are outward forms alone. They are not sufficient in themselves. It is more important to see the simplicity, to realize one's true nature, to cast off selfishness and temper desire. Wow. So is this assuming that wow. wisdom, sainthood, are, uh, are, are, are almost products of desire? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like he's saying, give up sainthood and renounce wisdom. So... Uh, is that like well, stop stop trying to be stop trying to be what you're not <laughs> basically right. right okay so I think that what Lao Tzu is getting at here is he, he's cautioning us about trying to be what we're not trying to buttress ourselves with external accomplishments he felt this was not going to lead to a truly accomplished virtuous life uh, trying to uh, be in alignment with things that are outside of ourselves is, is not going to be ultimately fulfilling. Okay. Uh, rather, if we act in alliance with our true nature, 
then the results, in fact, he said, will be a, a hundred times better for everyone. So it's almost like don't, don't try to be a saint. Just try to be Carl Totten, and you're going to bring in this own amazing form anyway. Yeah. Uh, instead of trying to fit yourself. Trying, trying to into, impress other people, yeah. trying to say, oh, I have this title, I have this money, I have things that ultimately mean Nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if we are going to, you know, hitch our star to things that ultimately mean nothing, that is a prescription for disaster. Right. For a very unfulfilled life. Mm -hmm. And 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 everybody knows when they're fooling themselves. Mm. And do, do you really want to live your entire life a fraud? Yeah. Fooling yourself? Really? really? No, no, no. So all these external constraints, rules, laws, you know, those the type of things will tend to be much less needed at all. Because just think about it. Think about laws. Every year we have hundreds and no, thousands of new laws passed. Right. Uh, cities, municipalities, counties, uh, states, uh, the federal government. Everybody is passing law after law after law after law after law. And the most dictatorial countries in the world pass even more laws. Now, has all that law passing made us any safer yeah. or, <laughs> or more law-abiding? Yeah. Uh, or has it made people more distrustful and more paranoid and more suspicious mm. and more upset and anxious about things? Well, it's it's kind of like if I if I say uh, um, don't murder somebody because you're gonna go, gonna go to jail, right? Now your 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 now your your moral compass is set to avoid jail, not don't kill people. You, you know what I'm saying? If right. I, like if I'm just if I'm only good because I'm trying to avoid punishment, I'm not truly good. But but maybe by removing potential punishment people are allowed to actually cultivate greater senses of self. Yeah. Fear of punishment has never led to a more law-abiding society. Fair and equitable treatment leads to a more law-abiding society. Right. Because when people are happy because they're getting their needs met and they're being supported, then it doesn't create that pushback uh, from other people against them or from them against other people. Right. Instead they can simply allow themselves to live and allow others to kind of live and let live. Right? It, it's, 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 just, it's just a tiny shift of perspective that changes everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why there are less murders in Canada than the United States. Exactly, exactly. Right. You know, 31 people a day in the United States are killed by God. Right, right. That, that should be intolerable. Yeah. You no, know? but we've allowed that to just be normal. I know. It's weird. It's, it's I know. insane. So generosity ultimately is its own reward. You know, what feels better than seeing someone in need and just selflessly giving them something, mm -hmm. giving someone some food to eat when they're hungry? Uh, you see an old lady crossing the street and she can barely walk, taking her arm and helping her across the street. Mm -hmm. Um, seeing, uh, again, a person in need who doesn't have clothing and giving them some shoes to wear. Uh, what makes you feel better in life than that? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, see, in other words, giving feels better than 
Receiving. Than, yeah. than, than making money, right? Yeah. You know, you make money, you know, okay, I was at work today, so many hours, I get paid so many dollars an hour, and uh, that, well, that, that, that change your day and make you feel unique and special, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're probably glad that you have that, but the fact that you could help someone who was in need and just, just give, see, you'll remember that. Mm -hmm. You know, day to day, yeah, you know, one one day blends into the next, and you know, there's nothing particularly unique about it, yeah. you know. And so, being generosity, generosity of spirit, which comes from, I think, comes from curiosity. Human beings are naturally curious, and when you get to know someone and who they are and what they need, and then if you're able to help them with that, mm -hmm. then it's like you've completed the circle. You know, your humanity connected with their humanity and you felt that you were able to help them complete some of their journey yeah. by sharing what you had to yeah. give. That that That's a complete society. That's a complete world when that motivation is what sustains and motivates us towards uh, reaching out to our fellow citizens. And by working on ourselves... Then we then have something to give other people. Yes. If if we are a mess, yes. You know, then we we don't have anything to give. That's why my Taoist uh, teacher day one he said first you help yourself, then you help the people. <laughs> that was his model. And with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Carl Totten for helping the people today. Thank you. All right, we'll see you soon on what's this Tao all about.